This podcast is a recording of one of our webinars. Okay, cool. So hopefully everyone can hear me. I'm not sure what everyone got up to. So um, for you, those of you who couldn't hear me just then, I'll just quickly recap today's discussion that I mentioned I'd go through. So we've got the introduction. Um, we'll go through a case study as well, how to access the tool, go through the user management. Then I'll also go through an in-depth mapping exercise or actually I have an example of a map that hopefully will relate to your organizations and you'll be able to see how that would fit within your own organization processes so it's just about an absent employee so just kind of that general exercise and then we'll have the final outcome so the reports which obviously are key to the um, showing your compliance of that GDPR and then we'll have the Q&A session at the beginning um, of the session. So we've just got the definition of a data flow map like so. So essentially it is to show how your personal data is flowing through any of the processes within your organization and how this data item is actually transferred from each of your assets that you have within your organization. So the data flow mapping tool, this will help you do that. It will simplify the process of creating these maps. It also help you meet the terms of that EU GDPR and show that compliance for it. Um, our data flow mapping tool is sat on our cyber comply portal, which is our online compliance platform held in the cloud. There's a number of different tools on this. So we've also got our compliance manager. And um, as of this month, we've also got our VS risk on the cyber comply as well. So although this afternoon session is around the data flow map, I will show you and, and just point out where the other two tools integrate, just so you're aware and you've got that full rounded picture of the cyber comply. So we always suggest before actually going in and creating your data flow maps, you'll need to go through each of your processes and figure out what every step of that process is. So um, potentially one way of doing this would be to have workshops with the heads of the departments within your organization. So you can find out what is the exact steps of your process. So who's involved in each of these steps and also what assets are used to do so. So before you go and create that data flow map, if you know all of this background information, it will save you time and you also know that everything you're putting down is accurate. So we've just got a case study here as well. So if you guys remember, I'm not sure if any of you saw it in the news, on the 5th of, of, 5th of September last month, British Airways, they revealed that 380,000 of their customers' payment cards have been hacked. Um, so, of course, a huge impact for the organization um, and just highlighting how essential mapping out your data flow really is and showing that compliance with your GDPR. So how can our data flow mapping tool help your organization? Well, as we've mentioned before, it's going to help you simplify that process of showing how this personal data is moving through the processes in your organization and how it's moving from one location to another, whether that's an asset to an asset or perhaps you have an asset in a different um, country and it's going to show that third country transfer. 
So it will identify the interaction points between all of your parties, um, how I just mentioned, and also if there's a number of different steps within your data flow map or you need that for your processes, you're going to be able to show this with the map. You can create them as complex as you need and you can also manipulate the configuration. So as time goes on, your processes may get slightly more complex. You might add new assets and there's room to grow your data flow maps essentially with your organization. So we've got using the tool. So it's easy to use as you'll see as I'm going through the tool. Um, the data flow mapping tool is going to let you simplify how you show your data moving and it will allow you to spend more time on identifying and resolving these issues that you may have or the gaps that you may find. Um, how I mentioned as well, just briefly, it is geared for repeatability. So you can easily review them. You can manipulate that configuration, like I mentioned. And there's also room to um, copy your data flow maps and your processes. So I'll show you how to do that when we get onto the tool. Um, it allows you to do slight tweaks instead of creating a map from the beginning, which, again, just helps that um, gearing for repeatability. And you can also, it will generate your inventory of your personal data. So you can um, justify what that lawful basis is. So declare that. It'll then show up on your report. So again, it's all about complying with that GDPR. So again, we've just got more of the introduction over the data flow map. So it generates reports, um, which again is essential. It's what you need. You're going to have to show this as well. Um, so it's essential for organizations so to seek and embed your data protection by design and default in your processes. It also gives you optional access to security controls. So how I mentioned as well, that it integrates with the other tools. So you can see here the data flow mapping tool integrates with Compliance Manager and you can record, record what security controls um, you have applied to a particular process. You can then keep track of whether the process is governed by specific regulatory, statutory or contractual requirements. Um, and, of course, hear about the reports showing them to stakeholders. So then we've got about the user management. So on the initial license, you have access for five users to the portal. Um, of course, you can have additional users as you need, um, and this can go up if you need it too. But initially, you'll have five users on the portal, and there are different um, access rights that you can have with each of those users. So when we go on to the account summary, I will show you how you can edit these roles. Um, but essentially, you have organization administrator, you have contributor, a read only or revoked. So I will go into a bit more detail with those when we get on to the actual um, data flow mapping tool itself. There's also here as well, just to make you aware, so you can icon archive users. So if someone leaves your organization or, for example, if you're working with a consultant um, and they no longer need access to your portal, that's fine. Um, we can archive those as well. So it frees up that user for, um, you know, someone new to be able to jump onto the portal and take part in your um, project. So if any of you guys are now going on to 
the map as well. I'm going to walk through it while I walk through my side. Now would be a good time to go on to that. Um, after I go through this slide, I'm going to hop onto the data flow mapping tool itself. So it's just saying sort of the generic how you would set up your account. When you first purchase your data flow mapping tool, um, you'll get a cyber comply invitation email. So it will just ask you to set up your password um, and then that will create your account essentially. Um, and then when you get onto the dashboard, you'll see the data flow mapping tool in the center. You can go select on that and then that will take you through to the dashboard and then you can navigate through the tool. So now um, we will go on to that. So this is just a um, sort of bit of information just reminding you. So the process owner, when we go through and create those processes, it's essentially the individual or the role responsible for running a particular process. So I'm going to go into the data flow mapping tool now. So as you can see, you'll have to log on every time you go into the tool and you should all see my dashboard. So as well, how I mentioned, if anyone wants to go on um, and do this or create the map while I'm going through it, then now would be a good time um, or just to sort of see what I'm talking about. So you can see here we've got the dashboard, we've got a data flow mapping tool and we've got our compliance manager. And then brand new to the cyber comply platform, we've also got our VS Risk Cloud. So um, this is how you navigate to each of the tools, whichever one you have access to. Or you can do so here. So obviously your dashboard, that's where we are now. Um, and you can navigate to the tools from here as well. Over here, you can see you've got request assistance. So this will take you straight forward to our support team, um, support at Vigilant Software Code UK. So if you have any of those support tickets and you come to us, then we can help you. Um, myself and my colleague Gary um, are on hand to help with any um, queries that you may have. Then we've got user details and account summary and settings. So first of all, I'm going to go into account summary. Now, account summary is where we can add different users. So again, you've got that initial five users um, and then that's up to you. If you want to add more, you can come to us and um, that's something that we can arrange. Um, to add a user, you just select the plus icon here and then you'll just ask their, or ask for their email and then which role they are. So I mentioned these roles earlier. So organization administrator. So if you're an organization administrator, you are able to change or edit the users. And then you can also um, do anything else on the tool. So change any of the maps, the processes and the assets. Um, you can also come to us as a support team. And if you want anyone's roles revoked, the organization administrator would come to us to revoke that role. So you then have contributor. So as a contributor, you still have access to the whole tool. You can edit everything, um, all the maps and the processes and the assets, but you don't have the authority to actually revoke anyone's access or change different user roles. We then have read only. So you actually have an unlimited amount of read only roles. So again, if you come to ask and ask us to set them up as read only, that's fine. Um, or you can do it the organization administrator can do it this way 
a read-only role, um, essentially, you can go onto the account and you can see what you're doing. So you can see the maps and how they are progressing. You can also see the processes and the assets that you have. Although, as a read-only role, you wouldn't actually be able to go in and contribute to anything or edit any of the um, projects that's going on. So this may be good for stakeholders, for example, or perhaps your senior management that just need to have an idea of where you're up to. So that would be where you choose that. And then you have revoked. So um, I spoke about this before. Um, you know, if anyone leaves or if you're working with a consultant and they're finished, then you would revoke their role. It wouldn't delete all the information associated with them. They just can't get onto your account anymore and it frees up that for another user. And then here as well, you've just got when the expiration date of your license would be. So you've always got that as reference. So then we'll just go to user details quickly. We won't spend too long on this page. It's key, especially if you are a consultant and you're working with lots of different accounts on your same email. You can just switch between them like so. So if I was a consultant and I had, um, you know, four or five different accounts I was working with, different organizations, um, you can choose to access and, and flip between them there. And then we'll go into settings. So as you can see here, we've got classifications. Now, classifications are what you associate to your records um, on your personal data items, which we'll get to when we actually start creating our map. You've got the default classifications, your confidential, your private, your public and your restricted. But you can also add your customized ones as well. Now, this customization is all about creating the most accurate report that you can for your organization, which essentially is all about showing that compliance with GDPR and helping you simplify that. So if you do have any customized classifications that you as an organization use, this is where you would put them and then it will be later on used in the tool. So as you can see here, all you do essentially is add another classification, you type in um, and then you save that and then that will add on to the list, which I will show you when we're creating the map itself. Um, if you are already using classification in one of your maps, it won't let you um, disable it as obviously you're being, it's already being used. So you can't accidentally sort of disable something and, that would have a knock on effect on the maps that you're creating. Um, you can delete it like so. It's really easy to sort of, um, you know, edit this as you need. We've then got the custom regions. So, the example I've used here is in your location where you would select your assets. So, for example, if your assets in the USA, um, obviously it's a very large place, then you might want to specify that even more. So your region perhaps would be California. Or, for example, if your location was United Kingdom, again, you know, OK, we're not as big as America, but there's lots of different counties. So, for example, you might want to put location. Um, we're in Cambridgeshire. You know, we might put Cambridgeshire as a custom region. So it's all about building out that report and making it as specific to you. So, again, you just add custom region. You would type in the region name here and you would just select where that was located. And then you would save in order for it to save. So we'll just get rid of that. So then we've got contact details. So you can see Vigilant Demo Amy. That's what the account name is. That's the account it's set up with. So unless specified otherwise there, uh, apologies. So unless specified there, it will automatically um, it will automatically have that 
contact detail for the controller as the account you've set up as. Then if you do have a data protection officer or a representative that you're working with, you can add these details here. And then later on, when you're creating your process, that will pull the information through if you've added it at this stage. So we've then got personal data items. So you can see prior to the demonstration or the webinar this afternoon, I have already added um, a lot of customized data items there. So with the data items, you can add as many as you need. Again, it's all about customizing it. So I've all I've added all of these for the map that I'm going to create for you guys in just a few moments when we get onto that section of the session today. Um, works in the same way as your classifications. So you just add personal data item. You can just type in whatever that is. Um, if you're not using it, you can see these are toggled off. So that means they won't come as an option when I'm actually specifying which data items are entering in my process. And of course, you can just remove them. So you can add here as many as you need. Um, and again, it's all about just making sure that report is the most specific to your own organization that it can be. So again, that's how you add all of those. Um, your data subjects. Now, this works in... Exactly the same way on or off as well. And the same with the data sources all works in exactly the same way. And it's all about building up those reports and just making this, you know, as best you can for that report and symptom. Or you need to mess. and also if you get to the map stage and there are assets that you need to add in your map that you perhaps missed when creators put that out for you as well. So you can see here. I've got an entire account used in the map just to save a bit of time for ourselves. But I will go through and show you how to create an asset um, on both of the options that you can. So to create an asset individually, so we can go through one by one. All we need to do is select create new. Then it will ask us to select what that asset. So from this drop down menu, we can select whichever is the most specific to the asset we're creating. If none of these quite fit or yeah, just aren't quite right for the asset we're creating, then that's fine. We'll select other and then whatever you reference it as, which is the next field, that's what's going to show up on your report. So essentially the asset type correlates to the picture icon you can see on the right hand side so for example you can see I know it's a bit grayed out but you can see that the billing team it's a person because the asset type we chose was person so actually in this sense as well that's what we're going to choose so we're going to choose person um for the reference we're going to have HRT as this is one that will be used in our map that we're going to create and then the operator, so Vigilant Demo Amy, as I mentioned, this is the account that it was set up on, which 
also correlates to the controller unless specified otherwise. So in this case, we're just going to pop it as that. and the owner, like so it doesn't want to. Cool, and then the location, we're gonna have the United Kingdom, like so. Then we just need to save that. And then it's saved on to our asset library. The other way we can import assets is to actually import them from an Excel template. So all you would need to do is download this template like so. It will ask you for the same fields that you've just seen. So it will ask you for the asset type, the reference, the operator, where it's located, and then the optional fields if you want to add the description in there and if you want to add the owner as well, you can add them there. Once you've done that and you've saved it, then all you need to do is get your file, drag and drop it into here and then import it like so. So then if we find this, it's, oh, that's our HR team, and then it will be our file cabinet employee is the one that I've just added. So you can see um, it's got all of those fields that we've just added. Now, when you open up an asset into the middle panel like so, there are these options here so you can add some additional information. So I'm going to go over these in the process side of things, so in organization processes. But the features that you can add are the same and essentially they're nice to have so you don't have to add these, these details in. It essentially, if you want to pull off a report of just your asset, so you can do so at this stage by pulling off this report. Any of the assets that you have open, um, that will pull off. And then I haven't got any additional information. But if you did, that would all just um, correlate in the report. And then essentially it just builds out. Um, we can then close any of our assets. We can close all of them, but the one that's open. We can edit any of the assets as well, and then we can also delete it if we don't actually need it. If you do use any of your assets in a process already, and you get to the stage and you try and delete it, it will essentially, it's going to tell you that you can't, um, and that just ensures that no mistakes are made, and you know you haven't spent ages creating a map, and then you actually have to, or you accidentally delete something and have to start again. So we're just going to go over into organization processes now and then we'll go and create the map. So does anyone have any questions at this stage? If you want to pop it in the question box or the chat box, I'll make a note of it. Um, and then if it's nothing um, sort of that needs to be answered in this section, um, I can ref refer back to it at the Q&A section. Okay, cool. So no questions as of yet, but like I mentioned, um, if you do have any, please pop them in the chat box. So now we're in organization processes. So I'm going to create a process group for you this afternoon, and I'm also going to create a process to which we're then going to go through and create our map. 
So with our organisation processes, you can see here it's pretty much laid out the same as the asset side of things as well. And these are all ways that it just helps simplify, you know, going between one section of the tool to another. Um, you're, you get familiar with sort of how it's laid out. Um, you'll also find as well if you're ever um, or if you ever come into contact with any of our other tools, such as Compliance Manager and also that VS Risk, it's all laid out very similarly. And it's just so that you can get a feel and, you know, you know how to navigate through each of the tools as well. So once you go through and like I mentioned in the presentation at the very beginning, one thing we do recommend before actually mapping out or starting to attempt to map out your data is to hold those workshops with, you know, heads of your departments and the people who do actually do the processing of your personal data. So that way, when you come to this section, you know, you've already got in your idea, you've already laid out what kind of process groups you're going to have and then which kind of processes fit within those groups. And then, um, of course, further than that, which maps go with your processes or, or how you're going to map that out. So to create a new process group, you simply just select create new. And then you can see you've got this drop down menu here. So on that initial, um, well, the initial time that you access your data flow mapping tool, you're not going to have any process groups. So the drop down menu would be empty. So in, the, in that scenario, you would create new group. So it's going to ask you for the name, the subtitle and the description of your group. So I let you know. At the beginning, I'm going to go over sort of a generic process for this webinar. So hopefully it will just allow you to see how that would fit within your organization. I'm going through a HR process kind of of um, an absent employee and how, you know, they'd phone in and provide the information that they need and then they return to work for. So that's sort of the overview of what we're going for. Um, you know, hopefully you'll be able to see how that sort of fits. Um, so I'm just going to go and create the group. So the name of the process. So it will be um, HR processes. And then we've got the subtitle. So as I mentioned as well, it's going to be employee sickness absence. Like so, and then it will just ask for a brief description. So what your process group is going to contain, what kind of process is going to be within that. So I've put to record sickness absence um, of employees for the purpose of staff So as you can see, so the description we're putting here, um, you know, it can be as detailed as you need it to be. So we've just put to record sickness, absence of employees for the purpose of staff deployment, salary calculation um, and performance review. Like so. So, again, you can make that um, to fit your requirements. So once you're happy with that, you select save. And then as soon as you save, it will populate it into your process group. So you can see here now we've got this on our drop down menu. So then it will ask us to add the process. So the process is where we're actually going to map out the data for that particular process. So, again, I'm going to go down the sickness route. Um, 
Um, but of course, this would be whatever sort of fits your requirements. And then with those workshops that you do prior to this stage, you're going to have a feel for these already. So the title, we're just going to go employee sickness absence like so. So the process owner. So again, this would be relevant to your organization. We'll put our HR manager. And then in this case, what they're acting as, so whether that's controller, a processor or third party, in this case, it's going to be a controller. Same, we've got the scope. So again, this is all to fit within your GDPR. So this is something in those workshops you would have discussed with relevant heads of departments that are associated with this particular process. So we're going to put absent employee calling their line manager. And then the return to work, which will be our return to work record. So the purposes. So why are you actually processing the data? What is the purpose for this? Um, so, again, it will be um, similar to description. So to save time, I'll um, copy and paste that in. And then what technical and security or technical and organizational security measures do you have in place for that particular process? So, again, this is part of complying with GDPR. So um, I'm just going to put lockable cabinets um, and CCTV. So we've got something in there. But of course, this would be whatever is your requirements to your organization um, and like in order to, to comply with GDPR um, to do with this process. So we're just put, putting that in um, to show you to demonstrate how this works. And then we've got our process. So you can see this is our process group we created. And then um, we've got our process here. Of course, the more you add, the more processes you'll see within there. So I did mention this toolbar in the organization asset side of things. I will just run through this now. Um, they're exactly the same um, options as in the asset side of things. This would just pull off a report for your processes. So the report you pull off on this page, if you go to the top here, it won't be included or including all of the personal data items as you haven't started filling those in yet. That's to do with the map itself. So the final report you get, that's where you show how that personal data is moving, the lawful basis, etc. But this is all about building as many reports as you can to show and just to demonstrate everything. And also, um, you know, if there was any gaps, you can see where they would be and what you would need to do. Um, so this will pull off your report for all of your processes that you have open. So you can see here. like So. So. Here is any related controls. So as well, this toolbar is where it integrates with both the compliance manager and now our VS Risk Cloud. So we've got our related controls. This will pull off, um, as you can see from the ISO 27001, for an example, if you've got any particular controls that are related to this process. And um, the ISO standards and GDPR, they do coincide quite a lot. So um, there's more than likely going to be a few that would potentially um, fit within that particular process. So you can go through, have a look, and then you can press the plus icon. This will then appear down here and it will show off on those reports you're going to pull off. We've then got any related legal requirements. So, of course, the specific um, clauses of GDPR, but then also we've got the UK laws on here as well. And that will pull through there in the same way as the controls. 
So again, another part of the compliance manager side of things, we've got any related tasks. So you have five, four, five users have access to the tool on that initial basis, and you can assign members tasks for implementation or, um, you know, for things that they may have to do complete on the map, for example. You can set a deadline um, and then they can also say when this was completed. And again, this will show up on that report. So we've then got any processes. If this particular process is related to another particular process, you can associate that here. So again, this is all about building out those reports just to show, you know, demonstrate everything that you need to within your organization clearly um, you can see where everything's linked and what when things overlap what overlaps etc so we then have an audit trail um, this isn't too vital as in it's not shown on your reports it just shows you what you and the other users of that portal are doing um, who's logging on what you're changing etc once you go through and you actually create your process map, it will show you the related assets that you have. So any assets that you have in that map, that will appear here. We've then got any related records. So again, once I go through and I actually create the map, which I'm going to do in a few moments, any records that you have associated to your personal data, that will show here. And then we've got our VS risk. So any related risks you have, if you go on, like I mentioned, you know, the ISO standards that this is built around, um, a lot of them do sort of match regulations of, of EU GDPR. Um, if you wanted to associate any, um, if you had that tool, then this is where you would do. So, and of course, it's all about building out those reports. Um, and then we can just close this. We can delete this particular process. Um, we can edit this particular process and we can also clone it. So I did mention this briefly earlier on. Cloning the process clones everything. So all of the information you've added about your process, the map, the assets, the data, the records, everything. It's handy if, you know, for example, well, one, your organization is growing, um, you may have opened a new office, for example, and they have, you know, essentially the same process, but they have slightly different assets or, you know, your other office is in a different country. So the assets are located in a different area. So these are things you would need to show for GDPR. Um, you know, cloning it may be the best sort of way to do this um, you won't have to spend all, all your time sort of creating another one from scratch you can just um, edit you know clone it and then edit the specifics that you need to um, and then we've just got obviously like I mentioned the report you've got the free search bar so you, you can just look for the particular processes you need to um, and save time that way and then we'll go on to the data flow mapping tool itself now, and we're going to walk through it and create a map. Um, so does anyone have any questions up to this bit? If you want to pop it in the chat box, I'll make a note of when you've asked them. Um, and then when we go into the Q&A section at the end, I'll be able to refer back to any questions that you pop in the box. So once we're on the actual um, map itself, we, it will show up a user manual. So the user manual is available all the time in this 
top corner here in the light bulb icon. Um, the user manual will sort of pop up on that first time that you open the map um, and it essentially will just answer any of those initial questions that you have. You, you can just go, if I just show you briefly, um, for example here, if you were struggling with one particular part of the tool, um, for example, your data subject, you could just select it. It'll just show you a nice sort of action clip on how to use it um, and then the instructions there. So um, it's just so you're aware that it's always there for you. So we'll close that. So it pops up on the first time you ever open a map, but it's always available on this section here. And also just to answer one of the questions that came through. So I know we'll have our Q&A, um, but there will be a recording of this session that we will send out to any of you as well. So you can refer back to the recording as well. So going over this toolbar initially then. Obviously, we have our user manual in the top corner here. We then have the option to export our reports and also view our reports. So I'll walk you through the report at the end of creating the map so that it has or is populated with all the information that is relevant. It will make a lot more sense. But just so you're aware, this is where you find it. We then have the comment tool, so you can add comments on any of your assets, any of your data connection lines, um, any of your data inputs and any of your data subjects. So you can use your comment tool, you can select on any of the above that I just mentioned and then you can add any of your comments. In the comment section there is also room to add or upload any supporting documentation that you may wish to add just to build it out. We then have our connection tool. So, of course, this shows the connection between our two assets or our data input and our first asset or an asset and our data subject. It's showing how that data is moving. The arrow. So once we get through and we start populating our map, we'll see all of the features that I'm mentioning. The arrow corresponds to the direction the data is moving in. And the number will populate once you start actually populating your process with those personal data items. It's really easy to use and you'll see me use it um, shortly when we add all of our assets. We then have our move tool here. So the move tool, how I mentioned as well, um, you know, the tools built for repeatability. So not only can you clone your process, you can also build on your pre-existing maps so you can make them as complex as you need. This is a, a massive canvas on this tool. You can use the move tool to, um, of course, move the assets to, the, to where you want them to sort of fit on, on the map yourself. And then also in a um, pre-made map or, or a map that you've made and you go back into to edit that and to grow it. You use the move tool um, to manipulate those configurations. Um, you can essentially move it anywhere and the connection lines that you've already created, they'll never break. So you can really, you know, manipulate that into many different configurations. Then we've got a hand tool. So probably will be your most used tool of the um, data flow mapping tool. This is what you use to create your attributes panel. 
So the attributes panel is critical for creating your reports, essentially. It's where you're going to select those data items. It's where you will select the lawful basis and the method of transfer. Um, and your hand tool is where you would go through and select on each data input, each asset, each connection line in each data subject and fill out that information, which will be populated into your report. So we then just have our generic um, default options. So zoom in and zoom out. You can delete anything you've added on the map. You can duplicate anything you've added on the map. So your assets, for example, um, and then you can just redo and undo any of the last actions you have done. Um, also here you can see it's just prompted me to save. So this is an online portal. It will just prompt you periodically to save it um, just to ensure that nothing is lost. If, for example, you were on a guest network, um, it's always here, though, to save on the map. Um, so it's always going to be in the corner. It will just prompt you periodically. So then if we put pin this left hand toolbar, we've got that we can add a new asset. So I mentioned this as well when we were in that organization asset side of things. If you do get to your map and there is an asset you haven't added, don't worry. That's fine. You can just do so here. So if we select add asset, it will pull up a menu of all of our asset types like so. All you need to do is literally select it and it will drop it straight onto the map for you. And then if you use the hand tool again, this is your attributes panel. And then you can just add in all the information that you would require. So we'll just remove this like so, just so it doesn't get confusing on our map. And then we'll close this panel um, you can then add the data input. So the data input, of course, is where the data items that you're processing enter that particular process. You can have um, multiple different data inputs on your map. There is no limit to that. Once you create your first connection line between the data input and your first asset, that's when you'll be able to reference your data input and actually specify what that data input is. And also, there can only be one connection line from a particular data input, but you can have as many data inputs as you need. Then the data subject. So your data subject is who that data belongs to. You would use it in your map when, for example, um, another map that I have as an example is the sales process. So in that, your customer would be your data subject. That's where you're getting those data items from. There would be a point in the process where you return perhaps their name, you know, maybe their address in the form of a receipt. So when that data item is being returned to the data subject, that's when you'd use this icon for example, in your map. So I'm just going to delete everything off the map here so we can just start from a fresh canvas. Um, you can see here as well, you've probably noticed this is your entire asset library. So everything you've already created, you will find here. And of course, you can add a new one here. And um, once you've gone and added or started to begin um, adding your assets to your map, then you will find in this lighter gray area, um, they'll show there so you can um, quickly see what you've already got in your map. So now we will actually begin to create our map. When you get to this point, you're already going to know what assets you want to have or that you are going to show in this particular process. So a quick way of this would be to um, 
free type in the search bar. Um, you can then just drop it straight on. So how I do it is I already know, um, and then we need our move tool, of course, to move this. Is when you get to this, you already know the assets, like I mentioned. So um, I get all of the assets, drop it onto the map, and then start building those connection lines and then the data input. So we've also got our HR. So this is um, that we created on those organization assets. So we also have our file cabinet in this particular process. We also have an attendance database, like so. We also have a payroll subsidiary, as it's our absent employee. And we also have a secure destruction company as well. So, again, this would mimic any or the assets that you have for that particular process. So we're doing this generic sort of organization process for this webinar. So then you'd move it in the style that, you know, it'd be moved through your process. So with your move tool, that's how you can move your assets to um, place them in the sort of pattern that they would flow through that you can easily demonstrate that on your map. So we've got our two line managers here. We've got our HR team um, here. We've got our secure destruction company. We've got our file cabinet and we've got our payroll up here. So this is how mine would map out. So then we need our data input. So how are data items actually entering that particular process? So again, as you can see, all I'm doing is literally selecting it from this menu here and it drops it straight onto the map for you. So once you're happy, you can close that and then we'll move these like so. So you can see how easy it is to add all of your um, assets and all of your data inputs onto um, this canvas here. We then have the connection tool. So, again, really simple to use. You go to the first. So in this instance, it's our data input. Um, when you get that orange circle, you simply select your mouse. You then move it to the next asset where, again, you can see your um, orange circle again and you hit and then it forms that connection. So you can do that as well. And then this will show um the connection between your assets of where that personal data is moving. And of course, how I mentioned the arrow, um, that will correlate to the direction of that movement. When you see this symbol here, that's just showing you that there is a transfer to a third country. So of course, in a real life situation, our secure destruction company probably wouldn't be in a third country transfer, um, you know, if we're based in the UK. But for the purpose of this, just to highlight that, um, you know, what happens if there was a transfer to a third country, I've just set it um, so I can show you how that works. So we've then got here and then we've got here. So again, you can see how that would work. So once we've got all our connection lines, we'll then take our hand tool and then this is where we're going to fill out our attributes panel, which, of course, is where we populate our reports from. So as well, I've mentioned that once you create that first connection line from your data input to your line manager, that's when you're going to be able to reference it. So in this case, it's going to be our absent employee. 
and then our data source. So in this instance, our data source is our data subject. You can see here we've got our customized option um, where in the settings section I showed you how you can actually create those customized data sources, data subjects, and of course the data items. So this is where they all come into play. And then we've got the method. So how did this data, the data items actually enter the process? So we've got this drop down list here. You'd select whichever is most relevant. There is the option to select other if you need. So in this instance, it's going to be a phone call. So absent employee has called into the line manager um, to just let them know that not coming in um, as they're unwell. You've also got the comments, so you can add the comments using the comment tool, but you can also do it here as well. Um, and then just so you can see, you've got the option to drag and drop a file. And then here's where we add the data. So first of all, in this data input, I'm going to show you how to add the data items individually. On the next data input that you can see above, that's where I'll show you how to create a record. So we've got our data items, so our data subjects. We've got this drop-down list that's already populated into the tool um, on the initial setup, although you can select from here as well um, whichever is most relevant. So, for example, we've got our absent employee. That was our customized data subject. We've then got our personal data items. So, again, we've got this default list of options that you can select from. So things like age, date of birth, etc. And then in that initial setting section where you could add your own customized, that's where this would come in. So any customized options that you've added, they will automatically go to the bottom of the list. So you don't have to spend lots of time, you know, filtering through and having a look. You can just jump straight to it. So you can see here we've got all of um, our customized personal data items. So I'm going to select name. I'm going to then select the reason for absence. We're then going to select the um, predicted period of absence. So again, you can see how you're building up. This would, of course, be whichever is relevant um, to your organization, like so. Um, if there's any sensitive data items that are moving through your process, this is where you would select those like so and then the lawful basis so of course why are you actually able to process this um, personal data through your organization so whether that's consent contractual etc in this instance we're going to choose contractual so once you're happy with all of that save and apply and then this is where you can see we've got the number five so of course that correlates to that we then take our hand tool again and open up the attributes panel on our line manager. So all of this information you've already entered when you're creating that asset, so you don't have to worry about that. What's key now is saying how long that information is actually stored with our next asset. So just for the purpose of this demonstration, I'm going to go through and I'm just going to set them all as seven years. Um, that's what our outlook is. Of course, this would be whatever is specific to your organization requirements. Like so. And then if we go to the next data input, so I'll just go and show you how to actually go through and add a record of your personal data items. So 
to create a record, we'll give it the name. So this will be our return to work form. Of course, this will be whatever is um, specific to your organization. So then here as well, you can see where those customized classifications are. Um, we've got our default and then any that you've entered. So I'm going to put this as private. Um, of course, this will be whatever is your organization requirements. Then the format, so how is this stored? So we'll pop digital text. And then the recipient, so perhaps in this instance, it's our line manager. And then the retention period. So again, I'm just going to put seven years um, as just a sort of default. It would be whatever it is your organization requirements. So then once we've got that return to work form, we've created our record. You can see this is laid out in exactly the same way as um, when we're adding the data items individually. Um, so our, it will be our absent employee, our personal data items. So it will be our name again. It will be number of days that it was absent, um, the reasons for absence. And then the back to work plan, for example. Any sensitive data items, again, you'd add here. And then the lawful basis, so why are you actually able to process this data? Once you're happy with that, you can select save and apply. And we'll just add the method, sorry. Um, so this would be face-to-face -face in this instance. Like so. So you can see how that works. Um, so the reason why you would potentially want to do some as individual, some as a record. In this instance, when our line manager transfers those personal data items to our HR team, um, one of them, for example, our upcoming engagements, it doesn't actually need to be transferred to our HR team. So we'll remove that. And then everything else is the same. The method um, will select email and then apply. So then you can see it's dropped off one of our data items. It will only be four. However, in the return to work form, of course, our absent employee has created a um, well, has filled out a form with their line manager. So you're not going to be able to um, separate those data items. They're going to move as an entirety throughout the whole process. So that's where you would use the different um, either a record or data items. You can use both on one data input. So, for example, here, if I then wanted to um, sorry, add data items separately as well, I can do so. And then, of course, again, using our hand tools. So essentially that's, you know, key for this. We'll keep using our hand tools. So we've got seven years and we'll save that and apply. Then we move to our next connection line. So we add the data. So of course the return to work form will move as an entirety throughout the whole process. So we can't deselect any of these data items. So we just need to select that the record is moving, choose the method and apply. Then we get to our HR team. So again, we're going through that storage. Um, so we're going to put our seven years. So you can see how this is simply building it out. Obviously, everything I'm doing here um, is sort of more default just for the purpose of this session. Um, but you can see how you'd really specify that to your own organization requirements. Um, I'll show you here. Okay, so 
this is location in the Bahamas. Of course, it's not. I've just put this so it will show that that third country transfer. So when I select onto here, it's showing me. It's giving me a warning. Of course, with GDPR, if it is a transfer to a third country, you need to declare what safeguards are in place and how you're monitoring that. So it's just prompting you, um, you know, and avoiding any mistakes in not being able to sort of put this forward. So we've got an option of safeguards as well. I'll just pop that. And then, of course, it's showing you why there is that, that triangle there. Um, and then the method will pop email again. The data. So you can see um, here I have the option to deselect any of these if they're not being transferred. Um, perhaps, for example, this wasn't. And then the return to work form is also being transferred. But of course, as it's associated with a record, we can't deselect any of these. So once you're happy with that, you apply and then you can see, again, the number correlates. So our HR team, again, to here, add the data. Well, it's just our return to work form. The individual items no longer need to be transferred. So we just save that. Um, again, it's um, in the cloud, so it's probably going to be uploaded. So you can see how I'm building this out and you can see how this would flow, um, you know, as complex as you need it. Um, let me just again demonstrate the manipulation. You know, you can fit anything within there. Um, you can have connection lines, you know, go over other connection lines. So you can really make this as complex as you need. Um, again, we'll just go through and build this out. Um, I'm just going over this quite quickly now. As you can see, it all works in the same way. Um, and essentially, everything we're adding now is just going to show up on that report, which is I, essentially the crucial part. So here again, you can see transfer to a third country. Um, so, of course, you know, in real life terms, it probably wouldn't be in our um, secure destruction company. But just so you can see how that prompts you and you can see the different features, um, I've just placed that like so. So once you've created your map and you've gone through and done everything, you would then go and select, of course, um, or have a look at your report. So to pull off the report, all you need to do is select view report. So in order to do this, oh sorry, in order to um, sort of understand this I'll walk you through it um, you can see who have got the cyber comply logo I showed you where the export was you can essentially export it to a word document so you can perhaps put your own logos in it um, I know not everyone would want to show their stakeholders with vigilant software on there and um, you know you can really customize this so it's relevant to your own organization so you can see here as well, we've got the overview of the process. So this is everything we've entered when we created the process at the very beginning. We've got a summary of everything to of the process. So, you know, as I did the third country transfer, it's showing that we've got that cross-border processing. Um, if there were any sensitive data items being processed, this would show here. We've then got the overview of the map. So again, really simplifying how that is showing your, your data moving through your organization. You know, you can clearly see the direction of travel. Um, you can clearly see the number as well when the uh, individual data item, you know, wasn't transferred to the next stage. That gives you that really nice view.
Then we've got the data inventory. So again, at the very beginning, I mentioned this is um, one of the features of the tool, um, giving you that personal data inventory. So again, we've got a summary of it. And then we've got the record. So all of the different data items associated with the particular record, what that classification is, what that format is, the retention period and recipients. And then we've also got the individual data items. So those that are still going through the report, they're just not associated to a particular record. But there is also the inventory for them there as well. If you had any data subjects on your map so where the data is returned to the subject we don't have any on this example map if you were to place one that would show here where they're located and um, what you referenced it as as well and if you had a comment it would just show that you've got a comment against this and then we have the asset register so all of the assets that you've used in your map itself um, the purple you can see this is operated by um, the account so the controller um, of the account that it's associated with so in this example it's a vigilant demo amy and then here you can see um, it's anything that's not the account and then you've got the transfers so how your particular transfers are um what, what they're transferring, the particular data items, the asset they're being transferred from, the asset they're being transferred to. Um, if you've added any encryption details, that will also show here whether it's a third country transfer or not. And if you've added any comments, it will just show that you do have a comment, um, but your comment will still be hidden on the report until you go actually into um, the mapping tool. So you can see here. And then also the issue date every time you pull off that report. Um, and then essentially that does bring us to the end of um, the session this afternoon. So I hope you guys found it really informative and it gave you sort of more of an idea on how it will simplify your process. And for you who already do have the tool, now it gives you a bit of a clearer idea of how to use it. Remember, when you go into the tool, there's always the user manual on this section here. So if you ever need to refer to it, it's always going to be there. Um, and us as a support team are on hand to help as well. You're welcome. Um, it is now on the um, Q&A section um, of this session, though. So does anyone have any questions that they would like to pop into um, the question box? And I can go through them with you. Yep, so there is a recording of the webinar um, this afternoon, so that will get sent over to you um, once that's being converted in process. So I'll make a note to ensure that that's sent across to you guys. Cool, so there's no more questions coming through now. 
Um, but I am glad that um, those of you who had commented that um, you did find it helpful. Um, like I mentioned, you, there is a recording of the session, so you will be able to refer to it. I'll keep it open for another five minutes. I'll just pop myself on mute. So if you do think of anything within the next five to ten minutes, please pop them in and I'll get back to you. Um, equally, if you think of something tonight or, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow morning we're always there to help so please don't be afraid to get in touch and we can help you then but thank you all very much for your time this afternoon i hope you did find it beneficial and i hope to hear from you all soon thanks a lot